After Israel's first Prime Minister, David Ben-Gurion, lost the elections that sent him into retirement, a man came to his house, knocked on the door, and asked to speak with the Prime Minister. Paula, Ben-Gurion's wife, answered the door and said to the man, Ben-Gurion is no longer the Prime Minister. Thank you, the man responded, and he said, sorry to bother you, and he left. After a quarter of an hour, the gentleman returned. Can I speak with the Prime Minister, he asked. I already told you, said Paula, Ben-Gurion is no longer the Prime Minister. Thank you, said the man, sorry to have bothered you, and he left. After a quarter of an hour, he returned. Can I speak with the Prime Minister? I already told you, Paula now agitated, admonished him, Ben-Gurion is no longer the Prime Minister, don't you understand? I understand very well, the man responded. But it's so nice to hear. <laughs> Several times during the inauguration, I started to tear up. My emotions took me completely by surprise. It started when Lady Gaga sang the national anthem with such passion, joy, and strength. Then when Kamala Harris took the oath of office, and then again when Joe Biden raised his hand and recited the oath. I'm struggling to interpret what was going on inside of me. I think these were tears of relief. I've never been traumatized. I've never been abused in my life. I don't know and can't describe what real trauma feels like. Still, I suspect that after four years of this kind of infliction of stress that just sat inside me without relent, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, of tension. I felt in some way that this heaviness would never lift. I think I suddenly realized that the excesses, distortions, cruelties, and verbal and physical bullying of the past four years had become so rooted in the landscape of the country as to affect me personally. So as I watched the inauguration, my brain was telling me there will soon be a transition of power. But my heart refused to believe that this nightmare was ending. And then it happened. First, Vice President Harris. And then President Biden swore to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. And I felt this heaviness lifting. I felt it physically. It just began melting away. The sadness began to ease. My emotions were relief, joy, and hope. Hope that we can restore what was lost, relief that hopefully we dodged a near-death experience. I'm not blind to the enormous damage inflicted on this country and the monumental challenges facing us, years of restoration and repair that lay ahead. We are 
still in a precarious situation. The danger still exists and will continue to threaten us for a long time. But to hear the national anthem, to view the hundreds of thousands of flags on the Great Mall reminded me that America is still America. We thought we might have lost her for good, but the broad stripes and bright stars were still gallantly streaming. To view the centuries-old ceremony of the transfer of power reassured me that the ceremony of innocence is not drowned. The center held. Things did not entirely fall apart. It is not yet true that the best lack all conviction and the worst are full of passionate intensity. Already two centuries ago, Alexis de Tocqueville made this prescient observation. The greatness of America lies not in being enlightened more than any other nation, but rather in her ability to repair her faults. Americans are no more enlightened than any other people. Everything that happened over there can happen over here. But this country has a miraculous capacity to restore herself, to repair her faults before it is too late. The inauguration ceremony reminded me how many great and good and talented people reside here drawn to this land because of its values and ideals. The pain of trauma is exacerbated by the feeling that we're suffering alone. No one understands us. What we're going through, we're going through by ourselves. The inauguration reminded me and reassured me that we are not alone. Tens of millions of people want better and know that we deserve better. That at the very least, what we expect from our government is competence, truth, decency, reliability, responsibility, and dignity. When President Biden took the oath of office, I thought to myself that the America that so many of us fell in love with and so many around the world pinned their hopes upon, that that America was still possible. She was not yet mortally wounded. And that amazing, brilliant, young, and uniquely American poet, Amanda Gorman, as she declared, when day comes, we ask ourselves, where can we find the light in this never-ending shade? The loss we carry, a sea we must wade, and yet the dawn is ours before we knew it. Somehow we do it. Somehow we've weathered and witnessed a nation that isn't broken, 
but simply unfinished. We will not march back to what was but move to what shall be, a country that is bruised but whole, benevolent but bold, fierce and free. If we merge mercy with might and might with right, then love becomes our legacy and change our children's birthright. The new dawn blooms as we free it, for there is always light. If only we see it, if only we're brave enough to be it. As President Biden begins his monumental task of restoring a sense of decency to this country, I offer this prayer on your behalf. First recited at Congregation Beit Shalom in Richmond, Virginia, upon the inauguration of George Washington in 1789. Eil God of hosts, you have placed the President of the United States to act as our leader. Bestow common sense, knowledge, and insight upon him. May he act justly towards us and bring joy to our hearts. May he lead us along the path of honor. God, protect and shield the Vice President, Senators, and Representatives of the United States. May the hearts of our leaders be just and trustworthy. Provide success and bless our entire nation. May all those who love our country praise the Almighty God.